Do you have a bully inside your head telling you that you're not good enough? Do you lean towards self-defeat? Do you have trouble believing in yourself? And are you dying to learn how to become the perfect version of you? A you that you dream about? If you answered yes, then you're like me, and this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy podcast, where we discuss self-esteem, worthiness, and transformation through a gay lens. I'm your host, Jeremy Long, and I want to share my journey with you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Journey to Worthy podcast. This week, I would like to introduce my friend, Chad. Chad is an interior designer who discusses with me his journey from quitting his original job, going back to school to study design and taking that leap moving forward in his life. We discuss everything from finding his inspiration trusting his intuition to know where to go next, as well as managing clientele and what he uses as his unique approach to design and honoring his you know, own interests. So I really hope that you uh, like this week's episode. We have one episode left coming up next week, the grand finale, season one finale of Journey to Worthy podcast. I hope you all tune in and please enjoy this week's episode. We also discuss everything from uh, being a gay entrepreneur to overcoming bullying in your life from a young age. So lots of great stuff this week. Please tune in and let me know what you think on the Journey to Worthy podcast website. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to another episode of Journey to Worthy podcast. I'm here with my friend Chad. Say hello, Chad. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure. So first of all, just go right in and let us let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm uh, Chad Chuan. I run an interior design company that I started myself about a year and a half ago. So I'm an interior designer uh, in downtown Vancouver. And that's me. And so what was your background before design? I've done a lot of different things as mm-hmm. we had discussion before, but most recently I was a manager and trainer for a retail company in Vancouver for about five years. Right. What made the shift? The shift really came from getting to a place in my life where I really thought that change was necessary and getting back into something that I was passionate about. I definitely loved what I was doing, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled by it in terms of coming home every night and saying, I loved what I did every single day. And I think that's what kind of got me to make that change a few years ago when I decided to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I think a lot of people go through that. Like, is this fulfilling? Like, do I need a job that's fulfilling or is paying the bills enough? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also happens later, a little bit later in life. I think like a lot of people, you know, go to high school and either they want to travel right away or they want to go to college right away. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do one or the other. And I know I worked for a year and went to college and I thought that that's what I want to do. And I think as you get older, you kind of discover more about yourself and get more comfortable with who you are. And that's when it really comes into fruition as to what you should be doing. Not to say that young people don't know what they're doing. I just think that your life can change. And sometimes a career can be five years. Sometimes it can be 50 years. And I think the way that we are now, we want more. And so that changes a lot more too. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Totally agree there. Outside of work, what, what makes you happy? <laughs> Seeing amazing architecture and design, traveling. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a big music and car guy as well. What kind of music? Quite a mix, but pretty mainstream. I mean, I love a lot. 90s dance is definitely my jam yes. for sure. <laughs> but a lot of like pop and dance. I love a lot of house music. Mm-hmm. Just something that's got a good vibe. But on the opposite end, I love really something like soulful and R&B as well. So cool. it can range. Okay. Music, architecture, travel, uh, best travel place so far. Barcelona, hands down. Wow. I think that was, that was also a big design inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. So when my friends and I, we had a trip that we were planning just to, to England to go mm-hmm. see Kylie, funny enough. Kylie Minogue, yeah. <laughs> and we decided we want to go to another concert, but it was 10 days later. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, what are we going to do for these like seven, eight days in between? So decided we go to Spain for a week. Wow. And I was excited by that because I always wanted to go to the Barcelona Pavilion. And mm-hmm. it's a big inspiration for a lot of architects and designers and this was a great opportunity to go there and it was amazing. 
Barcelona is just filled with so much history, mm-hmm. so much architecture in every single building is so different. And I really love that. And it's so historic. Like there can be a building that's 400 years old and wow. that's so new and just really fresh in its design. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful place to be. So cool. Yeah. I think that, uh, when I got there, I thought that, you know, the Barcelona Pavilion was definitely one place for me, but what was most inspiring was the Olympic village mm. they had. It was like awe inspiring at the top of this mountain, overseeing the entire city and the ocean. And it was just stunning. The architecture, the way they designed it. Mm. I felt like it was in a moment where, you know, Barcelona 92 is when it all happened, but it was still very well preserved and together. And I don't think that happens a lot right. of places. It was kept the way that it was. And it was just stunning architecture. Cool. Definitely on my list to go to as yeah. well. What do you look forward to in your day or in your life? Um, finding inspiration in what I do. That's for sure. And how do you do that? Whether I'm out in public or online, I'm shopping at a store. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I find many different ways of inspiration for sure. Online is obviously the easiest way to do it. So, you know, we're social media based and finding tons of inspiration from that can, is so quick and easy to get. And Mm -hmm. I find different manufacturers from that, but I also find it a lot from conferences and events that I get to go to as well, which is great. Right. Which we'll talk a little bit more maybe about the networking yeah, side sure. of this business. But I, I do find that an interesting, the inspiration side of things, because even with this podcast and trying to be creative with my social media content, yeah, there's an element of like, I need to sort of make time for finding inspiration and, yeah. and sort of seeking it out, right? Yeah. And I think for the style that I, a couple of styles that I specifically default to or go to, are very common in the city. And so a lot of my inspiration will be found more so online because that's where they, they lie essentially. And there are some great products and manufacturers here that I can utilize to my advantage for mm-hmm. some, some styles, but it's not always here and that's okay. Cause I want to be diversified and mm-hmm. not just have like something from Vancouver. It's got to be more than that for me. Right. Right. What, what sort of is your style then? If you want to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, I find it's nothing that's really here unless you're have a waterfront place. Really? It's a very tropical beach style. A lot of outdoor is what inspires me Mm -hmm. as well as ultra ultra modern design for sure. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of that design from going to uh, Miami a lot. Yeah. You mentioned that last time we talked. Yeah. And that really started when I was a teenager. My mom picked me up this magazine called Florida design. And Mm. I was just, I was probably 14 or 15 and not knowing kind of what area I wanted. And you're kind of just discovering that when you're in those grades in high school and ages. And that magazine to this day, like I've collected hundreds of them because they're so inspiring every month, the manufacturers that are, that are there from around the world. And a lot of it's very Italian inspired where that's where design is really from, whether it's the auto industry or design, Mm -hmm. a lot of super luxury product comes from there. And that always uh, appealed to me. Right. When you're creating a design or when you're thinking about how, how to work a design into someone's home, what, where do you start? Like, what does that look like from a perspective like me like someone that doesn't really has never dived into that so is it like do you where where do you start like what do you look at first what are you trying to create first i think like my process in terms of every client's going to be very different in what they need and what their desire are Mm -hmm. desire is i should say um it's really just finding out what those the needs are first of of them and the space Mm -hmm. and what are their wants and desires and wishes for the place to to say and to talk about when they're, when they're in it. And that's a big discovery platform that can be ever changing as you go through that process with someone. It doesn't all happen right away, but I think that's, what's great about it. Some people might find it frustrating (laughs) because they can change their mind, but designers change their mind every five minutes about what works best for a space because well, not every five minutes, but you might be inspired by one thing today and two weeks, you might be inspired by something totally different for a client space. And I like that people think that way as well. It's, it's really, it makes it easy for me. Um, but going into a place and when you start with someone in need and you just kind of sit down and you know, it's all visual at the end of the day, someone mm-hmm. can say what they want for sure. But you also look at what's be- best for that space and what's best for the client at the same time. Right. And, you know, sell them essentially on something that's going to work for both. Okay. Cause you know, not everyone's a designer and, 
to me, watching HGTV doesn't make you a designer. It gets you inspiration right. <laughs> for what you might want, but it doesn't mean that your space suits that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can have a designer come in, it can really help you decide what's best for the space without really knowing what is. And that's why people hire someone because they need help. They need to feel like they're getting someone they can trust to come in and give them an idea as to what each space should represent. And for me, I think it represents an emotion that you want to feel in each room that you are, whether you want to feel relaxed, whether you want to feel entertained, every space should talk to you in a certain way and not Mm. just have one specific, you know, style. I think it should be a mix of different features in every room to kind of work together. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I like the way there's certain words that you just use that are kind of intriguing to me, like building that trust with your client and an emotion that comes out through each room. What, what is it that makes that trust and how do you build that? Can, I guess it's about a connection with your client, right? Yeah. Um, what, how do you establish that and maintain it? I think you have to have continuous conversations. You have to be really exploratory and open to feedback on both sides. <laughs> not always easy. That's not easy for no. sure. And building that trust just comes from having good rapport. And really it's about listening to your client mm. and what they really want, but also being that trusted advisor to come in and say, this is an awesome idea. Like, I love what you're thinking. Let's tailor onto that something even better and bigger that I'm here to help represent in that space for you. Right. That brings the emotional connection to them. And so when I say that, it's like when people are in a dining room, usually they want to entertain mm-hmm. and they want something, you know, big. It's like having a Christmas party or something and you're, you're entertaining 10 or 12 guests. Well, you want something to feel very alive and entertaining and inviting and having something dark and gloomy isn't necessarily going to fit what you want in that space. Mm-hmm. So knowing that when you're getting into design can help people, mm-hmm. but most people don't think that way. They think about what they see a piece of furniture and inspires them. And they okay. think, Oh my God, I love this storage unit. I love this chandelier. I want that in my home, but will it necessarily fit the feel of what they want or will it fit the space itself? Hmm. So I try and determine all those as I go into it and asking the right questions to constantly get them to talk about how they want to feel in the space. That's so interesting. I never would have considered like, I guess you want to feel happy in your home. Yes. But I've never thought about how a room makes me feel. And, but if you really do think that way, when you're walking in, some things feel overwhelming and not soft and warm and inviting. So yeah, yeah, using the feelings, I guess that's really cool. Yeah. I think it's a great way for people to relate to what they want because everyone, Mm -hmm. when a home is different than an office, an office is going to be based on the feeling of what the business wants to evoke for itself, Mm -hmm. but branding, branding, exactly. Whereas a home should be comfortable yet inviting for every person, but every room isn't necessarily going to be entertained. Maybe you want something really relaxed, you know, your bedrooms and bathrooms are going to be those spaces. Maybe it is your living room or dining room. It just depends on what every client sort of feels Mm -hmm. they desire in each room. But there's also probably a side of like owning your authority as a designer saying, I do know this is good for this space or for you and you might not see it yet. Do you find any challenge with that? I do. I mean, one of the clients that I had um, last year, I'll never forget him. He was an absolutely amazing client, Mm -hmm. but he really was just a bachelor kind of going through a transition in his life, Mm. kind of doing a reset and he moved out of his old place and all he brought was the clothes on his back and the stuff that he had in his kitchen and bathroom. And that's all he wanted. Fresh start. And I think that's great when you can walk into an empty canvas, Mm -hmm. it's like painting it from scratch and you see, what can I make out of this? And he wanted things that were black, white, and gray. And that's very normal for a bachelor pad, for sure. It can be sexy, it can be inviting. But when I delved into what he wanted each space to kind of say for him or how he wanted to feel in it, we changed that entire spectrum of his space. And Hmm. he ended up having reds, greens, and golds Hmm. to actually speak to what he wanted in that exact space. And by the end of it, he couldn't have been more happy because it wasn't about that feeling of just being inspired by black, white, and gray. It was like each room said something to him. So maybe it's not so much about like what you see in the magazine that looks right, like flashy or whatever. Yeah. It's that feeling of like, Oh, this is, this feels right. And that's good. And also like, I, I think it's great. People want to be 
inspired by design. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. I love it when people come to me with ideas because mm-hmm. it helps me in my process. But a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, you see a magazine or you see something online and you see something like a kitchen that you want, but you don't realize it's a 10 foot wide kitchen and you have a three foot wide kitchen, right. for example. <laughs> and so that necessarily won't work for a space. So that's another reason why designers can really help with that and fit mm-hmm. what works for them. So. It almost sounds like there's an element of coaching that goes into it because I've been doing some coaching and you see that often there's not, there's like a, people come to you with the original idea or maybe, you know, issue. And usually the real thing going on underneath is not really the same as what was originally offered to you as information to work with. So, um, like you said, like seeing something as inspiration and you dive down a little deeper, what do you want to feel like what matters? Uh, it almost has, yeah, like a coaching element to it, like yeah. pulling people's inspiration out of them and they don't even know what they want yet, which Absolutely. is really exciting. Yeah. Shopping with clients can be exciting at the same time as well, you know, depending <laughs> on and if it's crazy expensive, you may not be because right. those are all custom products, but they get to kind of see where you're going kind of with the style and mm. that can really inspire them even more to say, Oh my God, okay, I love this style. Now I want to shop even more as well and bring (laughs) more ideas into it. And it's also good sometimes to show your clients kind of what you're looking at, because a lot of design, you don't, you see it Mm -hmm. and you trust the person that's making it for you, your designer to bring it and come to life. But a lot of people, if you want to see something you don't get to and bringing people to just a small point, whether it's a sofa or a table or some idea that you're thinking they can see the size of it and how it might actually look in a space Mm -hmm. and relate to it that way. And it's so important to do that because not every, not every time, but when you show someone what it looks in a magazine, it looks online is not going to be what it necessarily will look in your space. And uh, it's important to see that because sometimes that sofa that you think online is great. It's not going to fit in your space or it's (laughs) too small or whatever that, that looks like so or it doesn't match anything else you've got going exactly. on which yeah. happens i think a lot and i think with a challenging client sometimes you have to push them that way a little bit too and say mm. hey like i know this isn't going to work and if you want to go that way let me show you what it would actually look like and then they understand okay that actually doesn't work and huh it is yeah it is a coaching along the way for sure i mean you yeah. have to be able to think in different ways to match your client's personality but also let them know like design isn't easy at the end of the day and finding the right fit for the right person can take a while. And it's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. Cause they might not know what the options really look like once they've chosen them. I think that totally goes with coaching because I, I have this exercise where, you know, there's like a, this or that sort of topic or a choice to make or a decision to make. And like, let's fully explore all the way. If you go down that, that road, what that's going to look like for you. Cause some people only think about what's happening right now, not how things will affect them or maybe how they'll feel in their space once it's created. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Then you also get clients too, that maybe they're just doing it as an investment and mm-hmm. they are only going to have it for five years and sell it down the road. So making the space that is staging ready is also a really uh, good way for a lot of clients who are just doing things for investment. That can be amazing as well. I bet. Those and it's really fun. just about, you know, looking perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Cool. Very cool. Um, what about, uh, so you said sort of shown some passion. Uh, what's your favorite part about being a designer? Open clients, like people who are really open to seeing mm-hmm. how you can bring your ideas to life. And getting amazing feedback from that when someone falls in love with a design that you, you've done, you see it on their face, either when you're showing them the imagery or whether that's in, that's the most satisfying to me Mm. because you know, you've done your job well and you know, you've done it right. And you've listened to what they want. That is to me the most satisfying thing. I can do all the shopping in the world and I love it and I'm inspired by it. But Mm -hmm. when I know it's the right fit for them and they believe it too. Right. That's great. I remember these clients that I had when I was working for a design company and I went into their space and I saw this gorgeous staircase that they, they had, but it was, it was open concept, which is great. So the underneath was totally bare mm-hmm. and they had like eight feet of space, eight feet tall to put uh, something underneath. And I, I just knew exactly what I wanted and the way that I described it and talked about it, they were sold on it right away. Wow. They were like, yes, I already know. I don't even know what it is, but you love it so much. We want it. And being able to do that, when you see a space, you're like, I know what's best for it can be amazing because you can sell people on that right away, which is great. 
It's like tapping into that intuition and, yeah, then, exactly. and then being trusting forthcoming. It. Yeah, trusting it. Such a big deal. That relates to life, too. These are very, like, topics that are life-relatable. <laughs> I like true. That. What is your suggestions for anyone that are trying to break into design? Where do you start? I mean, obviously, you went to school. Well, yeah. For people maybe that aren't sure about what if they might be good at it or not, what's the suggestion there? There's so many different ways and reasons. A lot of... When I went to school, there's a lot of people who didn't want to do design, but they needed things from design to see where their inspiration could go. I remember there was a a student that was there that wanted to do automotive design, but okay. the drawing was really important to him in techniques to use. And that was part of what we, we learned in oh, okay. our color spaces and drawing classes about how to actually create 2D and 3D imagery. And he took the course because of that. And it was very beneficial for him. So I think for people who are looking to get into design, there are so many avenues you can take with design, whether you're inspired by creating lighting or whether you like architecture or Mm -hmm. landscape design, or you love decorating rooms, whether it's dining rooms, living rooms, et cetera, Mm -hmm. whatever those passions are. The school that I went to really allowed you to take many different avenues and you learned so many different types of design. I learned how to make furniture and how to design lighting from scratch and Mm. how colors work together. You learn so, so much and Mm. some of it's overwhelming, but when you love it, it's not overwhelming. So I think that if you can get into design and be inspired by it, there's so many different avenues you can go. It's not just about interior design. Absolutely. And my school that I Mm -hmm. went to, uh, VCAD, which is the Visual College of Art and Design, downtown Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I looked at places like Emily Carr. I looked at places like AI, BCIT. And the reason why I chose that school was because it had a lot of both technical and creative Mm -hmm. mixed together. In addition to having Mm -hmm. uh, teachers that work in the industry. They were architects, they were designers, they were lighting designers, they okay. were business owners. Mm-hmm. And people who come from that industry are very logical, which is, you really want that. Mm-hmm. But you also want people who have a lot of experience and know what they're talking about. Right. So when you're creating something, they know how to relate to that. And they know a lot of people in the industry as well. And So great connections for you. For great future. connections in the future. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, a great place to be. You know, design can be expensive and design school is expensive as well, but <laughs> it pays off and you have the freedom to be creative at a place like VCAD without a doubt. I really loved that. Cool. Sounds like a great experience you've had. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned colors. Maybe I, I mean, I know there's probably a whole semester or three months of coloring you could talk about, but if you could give me a little information about what, what colors mean together or what, what can you do with color? Yeah. I mean, there's, that is such a broad question. You could probably go on for hours, but like one major highlight uh, that you've learned or that you love about color. I think it really changes your perspective and what color kind of means to a person based on what really works together. And again, what people want to feel in a space like this pillow over here that is covered in three different shades of red and purple goes well together because they're all complementary to one another. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different levels of color that can be of the same format or they're complementary or they're analogous and all these different flavors of what color means together on a, on a wheel spectrum. It's amazing how I find it easy because I'm passionate about it Mm -hmm. to put colors together that work, Mm -hmm. but there's a theory behind it all. And when you see them on a, on a wheel and you see them in pictures Mm -hmm. and how they actually make sense together. And there's so many different ways of doing it. Cool. What are your favorite colors? Well, if you check out my website, you definitely know, but it would be, I'm really inspired by turquoise. I'm inspired, inspired by orange, pinks, reds. I love that color gamut working well together. Really bright. Really bright. That is my style. And when I'm in a space for someone, you know, sometimes they want a more muted piece that can just stand out on its own to bring the room together or they want to go the opposite and they want something really bright with the accessories to be very mute mm-hmm. and a muted color. Oh, that's fair. And I, I love both of those for sure. Right. Cool. Interesting. 
You mentioned a little bit about connections. You want to talk a little bit about some of the networking sort of stuff, the aspect of your job or the, the networking events that you've created even, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think networking is really big, especially when you're starting out from scratch. Like I only worked for a company for a very short amount of time, but because I always knew I wanted my own business. And once I got that up and running, I want to be my own success. Mm-hmm. And I think that to get there, you have to be able to network and you have to be able to make the right connections. And honestly, to me, that starts the day you walk into your school. Mm. And because of that and getting the support from them and being able to speak publicly is also really important too. And having the confidence to do so. And Mm -hmm. I recommend people if they're not comfortable with public speaking to take courses and doing that as well, because you got to be the forefront of your business and you got to be someone who can actually talk to people very diplomatically, but also very <laughs> professionally right, and right. educational at the same time. Hmm, interesting. What have you gotten out of networking events? Yeah, I mean, so I run a <clears throat> networking group uh, called COI Network, and it's a group that I was brought into. Mm-hmm. So I co-run it. And the founder of it, Amy, she is a financial advisor. She's amazing. I met her about a year and a half ago at a design event that I was at. And she was, uh, she had her own table at the, at the event, Mm -hmm. which was amazing at uh, BC place. And so being there and being inspired by what's around there, I knew that as my business was going to grow, it was time, probably about three to four months in to get the networking growing Mm -hmm. and kind of see how I can make connections with people. And I was going to spend at least two months trying to find different groups that I connected with to see how they could help me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about referrals. It was just about getting to know people, speaking with one another, making good connections and helping them grow my business in different ways, whether they help me uh, legally or whether they help me with accounting or with insurance, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered in joining a few different groups, I was part of three groups. This was the one of the first ones is this one really connected with me because of the founder herself, but also of the connections that she wanted to make with people that was so on the same wavelength as, as myself. And with that, after a few months of being in the group, she asked me to co-run it with her and wow. do a lot of the event planning and a lot. Uh, she would take care of like the recruiting side of it and getting more people to kind of join in the group because mm-hmm. she sees so many clients on a daily basis. She had the opportunity to do that. Right. And that's great where I don't as much. So for me, it was about the event planning and I'd made a lot of trades connections and vendor connections mm-hmm. and being able to bring those into the group. And I love public speaking and I'm comfortable with it. So mm-hmm. What I've got from networking is if you're comfortable in one-on-one or group settings or you want to build your business, networking can be a really good opportunity to learn from business owners. doesn't matter what industry they're in at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. They run their own business and how they've been successful or even talking about your struggles together to be more successful it's inspiring and it's very helpful because you're being a community together mm-hmm. and you're being creative together to find ideas for your group. And that's what I love about the group that I have is they know that we run this way. Mm-hmm. And so we have this great connection and conversation around community building. And it's been so inspiring because all the events that we do are because of the members speaking up about what they want for their business or Mm -hmm. for themselves. And I think that's a great way to run a group because it's involved. It's not just one man making a decision for a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. It's the group making a consensus for what's best for them. Very cool. Um, I've listened to like a lot of podcasts and follow quite a few people that are entrepreneurs and run mastermind groups. And it's just really nice hearing you talk about networking because it doesn't even sound like it's coming from a, I'm trying to get more business, although that is a byproduct of it, but you're building connections with people and you're building this community, which just sounds so exciting. Yeah. It's about the relationships and Mm -hmm. You know, if you walk into a networking group and you expect similar, like what's called BNI and it's referral, 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 high pressure right away. That's not what our group is about. It's about building real relationships with people and connections to hopefully one day want to do referrals with one another. Mm -hmm. And you know that person on a personal level, not just on a professional level. You get to know what they do for a living. You get to know about their personal life and what they have going on. And it creates this community. It just grows and grows. And Mm -hmm. that's what I love about it. And myself and the founders specifically, I've done business with quite a few of the people in the group, 
but we refer each other all the time because we've had that relationship going for so long. And I know so well what she does and why she does it well. And I can speak to that when I'm talking to individuals and when you're passionate about it, that's how you sell it at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. Right. If you're, and that's an individual and I'm passionate about what she does because how she sold me on it and how I built that relationship with her. It's almost just like a support group. Like you're just there for each other, helping each other build each other's business or, you know, your, even your, just your confidence. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. It's really exciting. And a, a lot of people I don't think know about these kind of groups or they're maybe really intimidated because they don't feel like they have that confidence. Yeah. What would be the suggestion for people that are like trying to break into networking? I mean, like, how did you find these groups? I think I found them through just conversations with random people at events and conferences that I've gone to Mm -hmm. because I've been comfortable in that avenue. But if you're not, that's okay. There's an app called Meetup and it has, there's thousands of groups just in Vancouver alone that allow you to connect with entrepreneurs and business owners, whether you wanted to learn how to dance, whether you want to be part of a networking group, Mm -hmm. whether you want to learn to public speak. Whether you're a group of LGBT community, there are tons and tons of groups available to suit the needs that you feel might be best for your business or just exploring individuals to try and find out what could work for your business as Mm -hmm. well. I think that's a great, great, great avenue that you can utilize. But like I said, my group, I just, I met someone and we had that conversation and we are a closed group because we're, we interview people at the same time. We got to oh. make the right connection with the right individuals to fit in with every member of that group. Cause mm-hmm. it's important we create, keep that positive community vibe going. Right. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to uh, learn more and attend them myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very curious about that. It sounds like you through that process and through some of like, I guess the learning lessons of being a business owner, you've sort of overcome some of the fears of success or fears of failure, I suppose. What is the, what are some of the ways that you've, you've broken through those plateaus when it comes to like, I can, I can do better than this, like believing in yourself. Like how did you get to that point emotionally or mentally? I think it's not easy for everyone. Mm -hmm. I think it comes from being in a place where you can be strong for yourself, no matter how hard having a business can be. I mean, I'm just a one man show and eventually I do want to be a lot bigger than that for sure. But there are days where you have a lot of not quality days or nothing's going on. And that's normal when you're starting a business and I don't get, there are moments, you know, you can get slightly demotivated, but I really think it comes down to just knowing that, You have to try a lot of things and you're going to get a lot of failure. You're going to get a lot of rejection and that's totally normal to have that. You're going to get 90% rejected all the time because you're brand new. And how do you show your experience when you don't have a lot, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. you've got to push through that. And I think what is so important is being able to build a connection with people to get the success in what you want. That's what you got to be able to do. The social skills are so important. Just Mm. unless your business is something that doesn't require that, you know, maybe it's just all online and you have a product that's just being sold that way, then you don't necessarily have it. But again, if you choose to network to build that business, that's an opportunity for you. So Hmm. I think for, for me, it's, uh, it definitely is very positive because I'm never someone that gives up. I will fight through no matter how hard it is. There's struggles. There's times where there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I know that I will hit a wave once my name gets out there more, once people want the style that I want, because it's not the normal style that you see in Vancouver, Mm -hmm. but I'm okay with that. I'd rather be a name and a brand on my own than like everyone else. You sound very positive and optimistic. Definitely. Yeah. Are you, do you feel like you've always been like that or did something happen that allowed you to start believing like it's just always going to work out? I think that, you know, I had, I have a strong connection with my mom and she's an inspiration in that way. Mm. She always was someone who motivated me to be successful no matter how hard it was. I, I went through different levels of that when I was a really young kid, like my family for the most part is a very shy family. They're not a big social group. Mm. But when we're in groups together as family, that's a different scenario. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're comfortable, but I was a very confident kid from the beginning. I was one of the 
popular kids when I was in school. And then when I kind of hit puberty, it, it that changed. Mm. Um, it changed throughout junior high. I became very less confident in myself and what I wanted and just who I was and just discovering that. And even into high school. And it wasn't until after high school, to be honest, that that confidence came back when I discovered more about, you know, who I was. And the confidence to me just came flooding back because I, I was confident and I, you have to go through difficult times, I think, sometimes to mm. rediscover who you are, but also make you better and make you smarter and make you more inspirational to someone else who's gone through something else as well. I mean, that's what I'm doing with this podcast, even like knowing that my struggles are my my biggest lessons. Yeah. You know, and and carrying them forward as like I can be confident, but I definitely have those days where the world is dark and I don't know where I'm going to go with, you know, with my career, with my direction. And I feel like I think everyone's got that at some point. It's how you walk through it, you know, and I'm lucky now, for example, just to bring it back to me, but <laughs> uh, I get that moment of, of doubt. Every time I have that moment, something, something hits me like a message from a person that's listened to my podcast or that I've met through someone that was just gives me one thing that I can be like, okay, I'm going in the right direction. And I feel like if people can look for those, they do happen. Like you get this sort of universe feedback that says, don't worry, you're on the right, the right move here. Yeah. And I think getting feedback and giving positive feedback, mm -hmm. but even critical feedback is also really important because if you're upset about what you're not successful but you're not open to the feedback, you won't get where you want to want to be. And it's okay to have really hard conversations about things hmm. because it can inspire you to say, wow, I didn't think of it this way. And maybe my approach isn't the greatest and I need to change the way that I'm doing things because I'm not seeing the success that I want. And I do that all the time because I think you have to be able to evolve as a person and as a business, you have to be able to follow what's going on, but also still have your niche and believe in that at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it's always going to change. And you've got to be open to that being just one lane all the time. I don't think always works unless you're already a huge company and you're mm -hmm. successful for the one product that you have or a multitude, because that's what people expect from you. So right. do you think that some of that strength that you've got is because of being gay and having to sort of overcome this I don't know, for me, it was like, oh, this is, you know, not going to be easy through society and something's wrong with me. That's like the first sort of societal belief that I sort of took on. And then I had to rewrite it, you know, and I had to say, I'm, oh, I'm actually just a totally normal person. I just happen to be gay and I have to live my life and enjoy it and not worry about what people are going to say. And because I grew up in a small country town. You know, and I had to rewrite it. I had to believe that things will get better. And I think that definitely those experiences I carry with me, whether it's into business or into my future relationships or even just feeling confident as a person. Do you feel like that's something similar that you've gone through as well? Yeah, definitely. I think when I was a teenager and discovering and questioning whether I was gay or not was a challenge in itself. And I didn't know until after high school, you know, you have an idea the way that you feel as a person, the way that you react to certain things in different environments mm -hmm. trigger those things. But I struggled from the bullying because of that more than anything and not from the discovering on who I was because I knew that I'd get there anyway and I was confident enough to know that I'd go through trials and tribulations of myself through being able to see who I was. And the bullying made it difficult in high school for sure. And it made it challenging, but that was just for me, I think going to school on a daily basis and having great groups of friends that didn't become great groups of friends because they start believing other people in different things, or they just become part of the bullying because they want to stay part of the cool crowd. And mm -hmm. I never bought into those things, even though I said, you know, I was part of a popular crowd. Yeah. I was in elementary school at that time. So <laughs> I was just a really social kid who liked to play. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that changed a lot. And there was some really dark times that I had with my family because of it mm. and still trying to discover who you are. It was a challenge, but 
that bullying, you know, that really kind of affected me and my family in a really negative way and made me scared to go to school. It made me scared to get in my car after school to drive home because I knew someone would be following me or they would have done something to my car. And because I was very proud of a lot of things in life and people knew that and I was never scared to show it, but Mm. people take advantage of those things. Mm -hmm. And that made me eventually take charge of those situations. And I think that's where I got a lot of confidence. You know, I had not just one bully, not just two bullies. I had a lot Mm -hmm. and I fought through them, unfortunately in bad ways sometimes, but a lot of times I just fought through it. I made a difference or, you know, it sounds bad sometimes, but I made sure that there were consequences for those individuals to try and learn from the experiences. And that gave me confidence as a person to say these aren't okay things to do to someone and you have to be accountable to your actions to become a confident person. Mm. I can relate. I mean, I was bullied a lot and I remember I was just very timid at first to a lot of the things that were going on. I was coming into my own and then I started getting violent with people, violent with people that were threatening me. And, and then it's, I scared me, you know, but I carry that stuff too. And I now, now I'm like, I really hate violence yeah. and I'm, and I'm repelled away from that energy. You know, when you walk totally. down the street and you can see two people that are about to, they're like, you know, they're fronting at one another, they're posturing. That energy makes me so like skittish. Like I just, I feel like I have to back away cause it's like, maybe it triggers something in me. I think it's a natural reaction. I can totally relate to that. I think it's something that when you've gone through a bad experience, yeah, yeah. but also sometimes people want to jump in and help and, you know, you want to, <laughs> but at the same time, you kind of just want to stay away from it because you can be engulfed in that energy. Yes. Some people get sucked into that. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting just sort of like what you carry with you. But I, I find that that's interesting when it comes to people being entrepreneurs and needing to feel strong and being able to have overcome a lot to show that, yeah, I can get through anything and I'm going to go forward and I'm going to succeed. And I think sometimes it's also just accepting that that part of your life happens and some of it's traumatic and some of it will always stay with you, but you got to learn to work through it or around it. Mm-hmm. And that's what will make you more successful in saying, I know I can accept what ha- what's happened to me. I have challenges because of it in life, but I have to push through it if I want the success. And sometimes it's just about closing that door and saying that was a part of my life as hard as it was. Yes, letting it and go. And moving it on to the next chapter. Yeah. And putting your shoes on and going out the door and going to do the next thing instead of just sitting in it. Yeah. Yeah. Such a big deal. I feel like people are afraid. I, I've spent sure. time afraid. So. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about at our conversation the last time we met was about being like feeling like we like you need to be in control a little bit. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's I have different aspects on that for sure. Yeah, I think being control of your success, you can do on your own. There's chance, there's luck, there's so many different things that can happen. But being in control of your destiny is something you have to be passionate about and you have Mm -hmm. to want it. And you have to step out the front door to make it happen for sure. Mm. And it doesn't happen all the time uh, for sure. I think that changes as you change and evolve if you choose to be that person to do that. Mm -hmm. What are some of these changes that you've had to make within your career? I I think for me, um, it comes with age two is Mm -hmm. the feedback side of things I learned from a company that I worked for and I love them to death for sure. Mm -hmm. And being vulnerable to feedback and taking it and not being offended, not taking it personal, but knowing that people who can coach feedback to you in a critical and positive way can actually help you become stronger in what you do, stronger and confident as an individual and more successful in your actual path. And that has helped me tremendously, Hmm. not just like taking feedback from someone who's above you, but also a peer to peer level Mm -hmm. and knowing that everyone is doing it because it's your best interest to be more successful. It's never about you've done this wrong. It's Mm -hmm. about, I want to help you be better today than you were yesterday. Right. How can I learn? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And not everyone is open to that because I think you're not Mm -hmm. taught those skill sets either a lot in school. I think you're taught how to do things. 
the emotional side of it, I don't think comes a lot. And I can't say in the past 15 years since I've been out of high school, well, more than that, but that's okay. I, maybe that has changed a lot, but I think the, the skill set on an emotional level is also very, very important to teach kids nowadays and to get them the confidence they need to push through, Mm -hmm. but also to be open to that feedback along the way to make themselves better. I am curious about that. I wonder if they do talk about that in school these days, because I don't remember that either. If I had learned how to have, you know, conversations and relationships with people in school, I'd probably maybe be a little bit in a different place than I am today. Well, maybe not though. Maybe this is the path I was supposed to take, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. People do need to learn how to be in a job where you're going to, you're going to get criticized. You're going to get called out and you need to be strong enough to take it and, and reflect. Yeah. What are your biggest lessons that you've learned in your life or in your career? Being patient. <laughs> it's mm. definitely a big one. I'm not one of those. I have consistently not been one of those people that's not very patient when I was a teenager and in my 20s. You want something and you want it now and you just mm. don't understand why you don't get it right away. And Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, we still have those moments where we still want things right away. It's that instant gratification scenario that's all over us. But... If you can be patient with something because you're in a career path and you know that success takes time, it's about learning and knowledge and understanding the way and seeing people in the life of what you want to do and taking that and making it your own over time and not rushing and saying, I know everything about this role in two to three months and I can do it. It takes a lot longer than that to get somewhere. And it's just like success in business for me. I'm not it surprises me, but I, I thought that I'd be one of those people that I'm just like, Hey, I need success right away. I need to be mm-hmm. amazing at it, but I'm not going to be amazing right away. I'm going to be good at what I do and confident in what I do because I've learned from the experiences that I've had in other jobs, not just in mm-hmm. design, but mm-hmm. throughout my entire life and my entire career and using that to my advantage as I go through my career in design. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What are some of the biggest failures that have led you to where you are now? And do you even really see them as failures? Yeah, that's a good one. I think for myself, I don't consider it a failure, but I gave up on something because I knew how it affected me as a person. Hmm. And that's what triggered me getting back to where my passions were really as much as I knew that I wanted to follow something else. I went through a really bad experience at work and I, I got wooed by a company to that. I wasn't even applying to and I got recruited and this company was amazing And they reminded me of working at Apple all those years ago. And I thought, wow, this is a good company. They they sound very similar. I'm bought in. And it was just the wool was pulled over my eyes. And I just thought it was very quickly not the opportunity I thought it was. The way they sold themselves towards the reality of what they actually were and represented triggered me emotionally and physically as well very quickly. And when it got to that point, I had to say this isn't the career path for me because if I'm fearing going into work and I'm upset by being at work and I'm the leader of this retail location, that is not healthy for me and I need to do something about it. And I quit my job very quickly. I didn't have another plan Hmm. and I didn't care. I just said, I need to make this change. I need to do something with my life that is more inspirational and leads me on a, a more positive path. And it was a really negative trigger, but it led to where I am now. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. Yeah. I bet you're so glad that that happened. Yeah. Even if you look back with a little bit of resentment, yeah, you can, you can really see that you wouldn't even be here if not for that experience. For sure. I mean, I knew that I was going to be great and successful in that, Mm -hmm. but when the way that the system worked there didn't match with my personality, the way that they sold it to me, then, Mm -hmm. you know, I very quickly realized that I know who I am already and I know what works for me as a person. And when you get so affected by something traumatically in a very short amount of time, that it's not the right fit for you as a person. And I'm so grateful for it now because it made me go back to school. It made me follow a passion that I love and every day I'm doing it. I love it. I I don't have a complaint about it because if you follow your passion, it's not work for you. But how do you tap into that intuition that told you to leave? How do you believe it? Because some people hear that voice and they ignore it. 
whether it's in career, in, you know, moving somewhere, uh, dating, is this the right person for me? How do you listen to that intuition? That voice is always there. It's in everyone. It's always there. The thing is people put logic before passion. A lot of times they put mm. needing money to pay their bills before what they want to follow and taking a risk in life can never get somewhere unless you actually make that jump. And I know what that voice sounds like. Yeah. I've had it a million times. Mm -hmm. I had it today for something that I was very, just <laughs> going to get some food that I wanted to get. And I said, I'm not going to go get this. My no. boy said, no, I'm <laughs> not getting those today. And I walked away, but I was okay with it. Yeah. But I knew the voice in my head said, no, it's not the right thing to do. It may be minor or maybe silly, but that voice is there and it's in all of us every single day. And if you mm. know, it's not right. Even if you work for a big company, I get people have to follow the rules and get where they want to yeah. get. Yeah. And sometimes you, you become the follower and not the leader. And that's totally cool too. We're all in those situations. Mm -hmm. But if you're passionate enough and you believe in yourself enough to do something and make something from scratch, you got to listen to that voice every single day and just take the risk and make it happen. Is that what your suggestion would be for an, a starting entrepreneur? Or what would be, what would be your message to that person? To always listen to your truth, to know that you thought about it a long time ago and you might not have done it when you were 20 years old and you're doing it at 45 or 50 and that's okay too. You have to be able to say, I have a plan, I have a passion and put it into words, put it on paper, visualize it and then actually make it happen. Talk to the right people or talk to anyone that you know that's a business owner or talk to friends and family that have businesses, anyone that's gone through struggles in and successes in business are the people that you need to talk to because they'll give you the best and most honest advice, advice mm. you can ask for all the small shops that start somewhere. Those are great people to talk to. And how do you approach those people? You just do it. <laughs> there's no, there's no real answer to that, except you just do it. Mm. You go somewhere that you're passionate about. Yeah. If there's a brand you love, if there's, a place that you love going for a certain reason. And there's someone that you can help you feel that you could get something out of it. You have to talk to the people that own that business. You just have to, because they'll give you the advice you need to be successful and not be hmm. afraid of it. That's awesome. That fear, that's, that's the hard part, right? It's walking it through exists. that and walking up to that person that you idolize perhaps, and you want what they have. Yeah. And you need to say, can you help me figure that out? Even just listening to them, you don't have to go and speak to them too. Cause I can also say there's, I worked for Apple for a long time mm -hmm. and Steve Jobs was an inspiration for me. For sure. As an individual, he always broke down what he wanted and felt was best for people. And that alone as him, as a person, I find inspirational because no matter how many people hated him, how many people disagreed with his ideas, he did it and he made a huge success out of it. He had massive failures too, mm -hmm. like anyone's going to go through, but he brought himself back up. He got brought back into things mm -hmm. and he made it what was best. And I totally get that. And that is incredibly inspiring for people who don't follow the status quo. Yeah. Those are the people that I want to know. Me too. Yeah, that's because awesome. they become successful because there's a lot of us that are just like them that want to believe in that and they believe into what they say and it actually makes them successful and it makes them motivated to want the same success. Hmm. Like I work for big box companies. I always have, I've been naturally attracted to big corporations and I, I get it. I get the way that they're going. I get what they want, but at the end of the day, it's what they want because they're up here and that's motivation for them, but it isn't always necessarily what I want. I want to follow my passions. And I know that when I build a business, I want the people that I have with me to have their passions be part of my brand as well. Hmm. And I think that's really hard to do when you're a really big company, very mm -hmm. hard to do. You can't always integrate the whole community <laughs> and it's just the way that it is, but I want to be that for people. Hmm. That is inspiring. That's really cool. I had, I had a guest recently on, um, in my job, uh, we were talking about, you know, life direction and career path. And I was saying how I'm, I'm torn a little bit from what I studied in school versus my new sort of, you know, coaching, you know, inspirational podcast life. 
and how they, I feel like they don't sort of, they're not heading in the same direction. And he said something interesting. He said, you have to follow your passion and your heart because time is the only commodity that you can't get back and you have to do it now. And that's like, I'm, I'm carrying that. I'm living that right now. And I feel like that's exactly what you did with this big jump forward into your new career, which is ending up being so successful and so happy. Like you seem so content with what you've created for yourself. And I wish that more people could get to that place because I I see a lot of people walking around with their heads down and just kind of going through the rhythm, you know? Yeah. They go through life because they feel like they have to, and they have to answer to someone and they want to answer to someone. They don't want their own passions. And that's also okay sometimes, right? Like I get it. People don't necessarily have that same motivational piece with one another, but I think if you want to have, you want to have real success for yourself and you're passionate about doing your own thing, you've got to jump in and do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think time can be a factor. I think if you just want it, you make it happen. You could have success at 20. You can have success at 60. I don't think yeah, that's true. age it or time is a factor. I think it just really comes down to the confidence, the maturity and having that passion and believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> We've actually been talking for a little while here. So so if you had to go tomorrow, your time was up. What would you want the next generation of uh young gay queer entrepreneurs? What would you want mess what would you want to say to them? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> it's kind of loaded. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is follow your dreams and make them a reality. If you really believe that what you offer as an individual can be something that is successful for yourself Mm. and others. And if you can inspire others to be like you, I think that's really important. When you see the twinkle in someone's eye, you see them with a tear, you see them with a smile, you see them laugh, taking those moments based on what you've said to someone and it has inspired them in some way bringing those into your passion every single day, you should be talking about day after day. Mm. Kind of living that inspiration. I really like that. I feel like that's so important for people to hear. What's your vision for your life? What's, what's, what's the vision for what you want to get out of life outside of being a successful businessman? Yeah. I mean, I want to be able to have the freedom and flexibility to like anyone do whatever you want, buy whatever you want, go wherever you want. But I think really through all those things, everyone wants that, but I just want to be happy in everything that I'm doing. Mm. And I want to know that other people love it as well. That's what will make me happy at the end of the day, no matter how much money is in the bank, no matter how many projects I get or don't get, or I'm not the biggest in the world. That's okay. I don't need to be that person. Would I love to be? Sure. Do I want to be working 200 hours a week? Maybe not, but (laughs) I want to be happy about it and passionate about it always. That's the most important thing. That's a goal that most people should have, I would hope. And Um, sometimes that changes and that's okay too. That is true. What is something that people don't often know about you that you wish that they did? That I take time to get to that place of complete serenity and bliss in myself and with others. What do you mean take time? I'm not one of those people that just jumps out of their shell when Mm. getting to know one another. Mm -hmm. I like to evaluate, take it in, really understand who people are before I start showcasing a lot of who I am, because I want to make sure that my personalities mesh with one another and giving people a real chance to get to know me through getting to know them. That's fair. I feel like that's uh, sort of on the topic of dating, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit, but I also think that also happens with clients as well. I bet, actually, yeah. Is that some, some of, I guess we've already talked about that, but some of the challenge that comes with it. So patience, I guess, and taking time to really build that trust and that connection. Yeah, it's so important. In any relationships in your life, really. Yeah. And having those people that can roll with you in that same passion, because I want people in my life, whether it's a client, whether it's another business owner, whether it's a friend or family employee, doesn't matter. I want to have that connection. And when it doesn't match that the relationship doesn't work, you've got to have that together. And, you know, I know people don't necessarily like my approach and that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with it, but 
I do want to take time to be successful. I want to take time to get to know people because when you understand them better and you come back with something that they love, you did it because you actually were paying attention. Hmm. And it doesn't matter whether it's your dating life or it's a client. It's the same thing to me. And how do you pay attention? <laughs> Write notes on your iPhone if you want, or actually just put everything away and looking directly in someone's eyes, soaking up the information that they have mm. and caring. And you only show that you're caring when you get engaged with what people say, or you remember, or you're interested in it. And we're so distracted by so many other things. It's hard. But if you want it bad enough and you want to get to know them and you want to be genuine, you got to pay attention. Hmm. I like that a lot too. I think that people, that's a whole nother conversation is being distracted in like round two <laughs> in episode 21 or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that that's a really good message for people. You know, take a moment to get, get real with what you are paying attention to. And I think people are distracted. <laughs> I'm distracted. Very you know? easily distracted. We, we all, all are. are. Yeah, we all are. We've become that society and I get but it. Taking a moment to get real and get, you know, what do I really want? What should I really be putting my energy into in every area of your life? Fitness, mental health, exactly. career, love. What do I want? What am I paying attention to? Where is my energy going? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else that you want the listeners to know? I mean, we've, we've kind of covered a lot of different topics today. If you ever want to be inspired by design or you ever want to learn about it, feel free to reach out and reach out through my Instagram at Chatchville and Design through my website, wherever you choose. I'm happy to talk to people about where to start and mm -hmm. where to go and talk about how you build success. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyone, I will post the contact information for Chad and anyone that's interested in just uh, chatting with you, I'm sure you'd be open to potential mentorship or any of your networking events. I know that Chad's been uh, great with inviting me uh, to events as well. So yeah, feel free to contact Chad based on his information that I'll post on the link for this episode. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I really appreciate it. Really nice to talk to you and get to know you even more than I already do. So yeah, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks, Harry. And thanks everyone for another episode of Journey to Worthy Podcast and stay tuned for the finale episode for season one. And we'll talk soon.